the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hi, this is Pastor Dale O'Shills of Church of the Redeemer in Gaithersburg, Maryland. I want to invite you to tune in to our weekly radio program titled Practical Living right here on WAVA every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. And I also would encourage you to join us for one of our weekend worship services. All the information about services and locations can be found at our website at church-redeemer.org. That's church-redeemer.org. Welcome to Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. We pray that through this message, you will learn how to apply God's Word and truth to your life. Stay with us as we discover God's truths that will transform us. David is an amazing character study, and there are a lot of different things we can learn about David. Uh, And in fact, when we study David, we're learning about the heart, because the Bible says of David, he was a man after God's own heart, exactly. And so to learn about God's heart and what attracts God's attention from us, it's a great thing to look at David because he exemplified many of those characteristics. And one of those things that we see in the life of David that I'm going to talk to you about today is the importance of having a willing heart, a heart that is willing to do God's will and what that means and what that looks like. I'm going to be sharing with you three things today. Uh, The first two are some just basic principles that I think are foundational to understand. The third point will be where I will spend most of my time today, but the third point will not make any sense unless you really grasp and hold on to the first two that lay the foundation for that third point. So they are a bit, little, a little bit developmental, or, or if you might say uh, they build on each other, these three points do today. And the first principle that I want to share with you this morning, it's very basic, but it's nevertheless important to be reminded of when we talk about having a willing heart and learning about this from David and what it means, is to realize that the direction of your will, whatever direction your will is taking, and I'll come back to that in a moment in terms of defining will, but the direction of your will always will determine the actions of your life. By the way, if you're looking for an opportunity to take notes on the backside of your bulletin, you'll always find a brief little uh, outline of notes. You can get more extensive notes uh, at our website at church-redeemer.org or through our church app at the MyCOR app, either on your uh, Apple uh, store or your Google Play store. But the direction of your will determines the actions of your life. Your will is a part of your heart. Anytime you study the Bible and you hear the word or read the word heart or the word soul, they are very much similar. They have similar references in Scripture, heart or soul. In fact, we in the English language always talk about, many times talk about putting our heart and soul into something. And so they're very synonymous terms, heart and soul. And your heart or your soul, according to Scripture, as we study in Scripture, are made up of three basic things, made up of your mind, your will, and your emotions. So anytime you see heart or soul in the Bible, it's talking about the way you think, your mind, your will, your choices, and your emotions or your feelings, and they all go together. They all work together to form who really you are because your heart is the essence of who you are. And right in the center of your mind and your emotions is your will. 
because your will is the power center of your life. Think about it that way. It's where the motor is, okay? It's the power center of your life. That's why we often speak of willpower. Willpower is that thing that moves us in some direction. So your will actually has power. There's power internally in your soul and your heart and the realm of your will. Because the focus of your energy, the focus and direction of your life will always follow the direction of your will. Your will is what you want and what you want is what you go after. And so anytime you want something, it sets energy in motion in a particular direction. So just as a basic principle today, remember that your will is the single most powerful force in your life. That's why it is so very important that we have our will directed in the right way. The second basic principle is this. Your will has a boss. Important to realize this. Your will has a boss. Somebody's in charge of your will. We're given a free will by God, but just having a free will by God doesn't mean that we don't have a boss. You can have a free will and nevertheless still have a boss. And according to the Bible, there are three potential bosses of your will. Three potential bosses telling you where to put your focus and where to put your energy. The first potential boss of your will is you. You can be in charge of you. You get to be your own boss. And so you can tell yourself what you're going to do, what you're not going to do, and you can set the direction and the plan for your life yourself. God has given you the freedom to do that. You have the freedom of making choices on your own, doing what your mind tells you to do or what you want to do. Here's the problem. When you and I choose to be our own boss, we tend to get ourselves into trouble. Why? Because we don't have sufficient wisdom. We don't have sufficient knowledge. You can't see into the future. You can't make sense of everything going on around you. And so if you're your own boss, you're operating in it from a limited frame of reference. And so because of that, God warns us many, many times that we get in trouble when we allow our will to be our boss. The description of this is in Jeremiah chapter 7. As the people of God chose to do their will instead of God's will and take a look at what happened. But I gave them this command. God says, obey me and I will be your God and you will be my people. Walk in obedience to all I command you that it may go well with you. But they did not listen or pay attention. Instead, notice this, they followed the stubborn inclinations of their evil hearts, their evil will. They went backward and not forward. How true is that? That when you and I follow the stubborn inclinations of our own evil heart, we don't make a lot of progress in life. We have the tendency to move backwards instead of moving forward. So the first boss of your life can be you. You can sit in the driver's seat of your life. Just realize that when you're sitting in the driver's seat of your life, you don't know everything about the road that you're coming up against and the direction you need to take. The Bible, second of all, gives us another option when it comes to the boss of your life. And the devil can be the boss of your life. Satan's will can be done in your life. Do you know that you can do the will of Satan? You can. Satan can move you to do things. Judas is an example that the Bible says that Satan moved upon Judas to betray Jesus. And so he actually did the will. He didn't realize that how God was going to turn it around for the salvation of mankind. But nevertheless, he was was influenced by the adversary. And there are many people, without even knowing it, they're being led along in life by evil, by dark forces, by the will of Satan himself, by the will of the devil. You can do the devil's will because the devil has a will. The devil has a plan. If God has a plan, the devil has a plan. 
And so you can be your own boss, or knowingly or unknowingly, the devil can be your boss. Paul writes about this in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 26, as he's writing to Timothy in this pastoral epistle, and says, and, they, that, and that they, that is speaking of people who walked away from the faith, that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. Whose will? The devil's will. Now, obviously, we know that's not going to lead to any good place. Jesus said in John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. So if you follow the devil's will, you're going to have that consequence in your life, stealing, killing, and destroying. Jesus said, I came that you might have life, have it to the full, abundant life. So you can be in charge of your will if you'd like to be. You can do that. The devil can be in charge of your will, or God can be in charge of your will. You can do the will of God for your life. I don't think it takes a lot of brains for us to realize the best choice there, right? The best choice is God's will. And God actually has a will for your life. He has a plan for you, you specifically. I want you to grasp that this morning, that God has a will, a plan for you, and he's uniquely made you to fulfill that plan. We see this example of God's will in many places in Scripture. Jesus himself exemplified this to us in Matthew 26, verse 39, going a little farther. This is when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, He's getting ready for his crucifixion the next day. And the Bible says, going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. So Jesus is surrendering to the will of his father. He's saying yes to the will of his father to go through the crucifixion. Paul speaks of this in Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. There's a description of the outcomes of God's will. It's always good. It's pleasing pleasing to God, and it's perfect for your life. See, God knows you like no one else knows you. God knows you better than you know yourself. And because he knows you better than you know yourself, he knows the greatest and best plan for your life. He knows what he made you for. But you can make the choice. I'll do things my way or unknowingly follow the pathway of the devil, or you can purposely say, no, God, I'm going to choose. See, these are purposeful choices that we make in our life when it comes to especially our will versus God's will. Now, David, because we're studying David, David had a heart to do God's will. That's what made him a man after God's own heart. And we see this, he he described it himself in Psalm chapter 40, verse 8. His heart's laid right there before us. He says, I desire to do Your will, my God, your law is within my heart. So here is David revealing to us his heart, and his heart was not resistant to God. It was not stubborn. It was not contentious. It was not argumentative with God. God chose David because David was willing to do what God asked him to do, what God assigned him to do, what God told him to do. David was willing to do God's will, okay? So your will has a boss. Somebody's in charge of your will. Somebody is sitting in the driver's seat of your life right now. And only you and your relationship with God can determine who's sitting in the driver's seat of your life. Somebody's driving your car, okay? 
and the car is your life. And that's a very important decision as to who's going to be sitting behind the driver's seat of your life. Now, here's the third point where I said I'm going to spend most of my time today and sort of the essence of what I want to bring you to. And that's that blessing comes to those or blessings come to those whose hearts are God willing. Let me just let that sit there for a moment. If you want to be blessed of God, and I believe that you do because you wouldn't be here today if you didn't want to be blessed by God. If you want to be blessed by God, the pathway to being blessed by God is through the will of God. Okay. Are you with me today? If you want to get to blessing, you don't earn blessing from God. None of us earn. If God gave us what we earned or what we deserve, we'd all be in hell right now. Okay. So it's not a matter of earning the blessing of God. You and I never earn God's blessings, but we can position ourselves for the blessing of God in our lives. And so to position yourself for the greatest blessing that God has for you, you and I need to learn how to live in and walk in God's will for our lives. And he has a will for you. He has a plan for your life. And walking in that plan is where you're going to find your greatest blessing. And I believe that in 2023, if you're like me, I want to be blessed by God, don't you, this year? For the rest of this year and into the future, I want to be blessed by him. And so if the pathway to blessing is in the will of God for my life, I want to make sure I'm doing God's will in 2023. I don't want to be doing my will. Certainly don't want to be doing the devil's will. I want to be doing God's will this year so that I experience blessing. That's the kind of heart that we need to have, a God-willing heart. Now, to understand this God-willing heart, I'm going to take you on a little bit of a journey for a moment where we look at two different characters, one being David, because he's the focal point of our study, but I'm going to introduce another character to you that I introduced to you last week because you can't really study David without also knowing this man. His name was Saul. Saul was the first king of Israel that David is going to replace because Saul is going to mess up big time, okay? He starts out good, but he messes up at the end of his, his journey. Uh, and he's removed from the kingdom, removed from his, his, his responsibilities being king of Israel, and David takes his place. And so to understand David over here, we have to look at David in comparison to Saul. So I'm going to take you on a really quick journey to understand a little bit about the downfall of Saul, because as much as David had a willing heart, Saul had an unwilling heart. And that's what got him into trouble. So I want you to see this, these two different pathways, how one leads you to destruction or to, the less, to less of what God's planned for your life, and the other leads to the fullness of what God's planned for your life. So let's talk about Saul for a moment. I'm going to focus primarily in chapters 15, 16, and 17 of 1 Samuel. I'm not going to read all this to you. I encourage you to go home today, read 1 Samuel chapters 15, 16, and 17. Say those with me, 15, 16, and 17 of 1 Samuel. Samuel was a prophet that God raised up. There was a day that God spoke to Samuel the prophet when Saul was still the king of Israel, and Samuel told God told Samuel to go to Saul and give him some instructions, to give him an assignment to do. And we find that assignment in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 3. Now go attack the Amalekites and totally destroy all that belongs to them. So here's God's instruction. Saul, here's what you're supposed to do. Go to those enemies, the Amalekites, and you're to destroy, totally destroy everything that belongs to them. Now, would you agree with me? That's pretty clear, a pretty clear set of instructions, right? Not a lot of, uh, of, of gray area here. It's pretty clear like what he was supposed to do. 
Now, I'm not going to get into the whole idea of why would God tell him to go and destroy another group of people. Uh, Just let me basically cover that with you very quickly. The reason was because the Amalekites were extremely evil and wicked, and so this was judgment upon them. They were not good people, and they were infiltrating the Israelites, bringing idolatry in. And so God says, I've got to judge them, and I want to judge them, and I will judge them through the sword of Saul. And so he raised up Saul to go and kill, destroy all of the Amalekites. That was the reason behind this. So God was not just being mean against a group of people. There was a reason that they came to this point that they needed to be judged in this way. And that's all I'm going to say about that, but it's important to understand it. So he's got a clear set of instructions, right? What is this clear set of instructions? Totally destroy the Amalekite. Nothing, very clear. That was all he said. Now let's see what Saul does. Okay, let's see what he does with the instruction. Let's see if he's God willing or Saul willing. Then Saul attacked, this is verse 7, then Saul attacked the Amalekites all the way from Havilah to Shur near the eastern border of Egypt. So he begins this process of doing what he's been told to do. But it doesn't stop there. We go down to verse 9. But Saul and the army spared Agag. Agag was the king of the Amalekites. And so Saul makes a decision on the fly that he's not going to do everything God asked him to do. Because the king was supposed to be destroyed as well. And so he makes a decision, he's going to spare Agag and the best of the sheep and the cattle and the fat calves and the lambs. Everything was good. And so here they are in battle and Saul makes a on-the-fly decision. I know God told me to destroy everything, but there's some things here that look really good. I don't think I'll destroy those. I'll just destroy what looks bad, but the one, the things that look good, I'm going to keep them for plunder. And then there's a description of why he did this. These they were. Notice the next word. What is it? Unwilling. These they were unwilling to destroy completely. But everything that, they, that was despised and weak, they totally destroyed. And so they were unwilling to do everything that God asked them to do. The issue was not a matter of the power to do it. The issue was the will to do it. Amen? Are you with me today? Okay. So now we see the downfall of Saul. He had an unwilling heart. He was not willing. He inserted his own will into adding to what God had asked him to do, actually subtracting from what God asked him to do. Now let's see where this led to him and see what God says about this. Early in the morning, this is the next morning, or morning after, uh, shortly after this. Early in the morning, Samuel got up and went to meet Saul. But he was told, Saul has gone to Carmel. There he has set up a monument in his own honor, which tells you a lot about him, right? And has turned and gone down uh, to Gilgal. So he says, he's not here. Samuel goes to look for him. Oh, he's out making a big monument to himself, okay? When Samuel reached him, Saul said, so Samuel finally finds him at Gilgal, and when he reaches him, Saul said, the Lord bless you. Isn't it amazing how spiritual people can sound when they're disobedient? Okay. <laughs> the Lord bless you. I have carried out the Lord's instructions. Now he's lying. Okay. Not only has he not done what he's been told to do, but he's actually telling the prophet he did what he really didn't do. But Samuel said, I love this part, but Samuel said, what then is the bleeding of sheep in my ears? What is the lowing of cattle that I hear? In other words, if you did everything the Lord commanded you, I wouldn't be hearing these sheep and I wouldn't be hearing these cattle because I told you, God told you to destroy all of them. Why am I hearing some sheep and some cattle? 
Here's the classic response. Saul answered, the soldiers brought them from the Amalekites. They spared the best of the sheep. You see the blame shifting going on here? I bet you've never done that, have you, okay? The best of the sheep and the cattle to sacrifice to the Lord your God. But we totally destroyed the rest. I mean, don't you see? We were thinking good here. And I didn't really do it. The soldiers did it. Verse 19. Why did you not obey the Lord, Samuel says? Why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the eyes of the Lord? But I did obey the Lord, Saul said. I went on the mission the Lord assigned me. I completely destroyed the Amalekites and brought back Agag, their king. The soldiers took sheep and cattle from the plunder, the best of what was devoted to God in order to sacrifice. Now he's getting really spiritual. We, we brought these back because we wanted to give them to God to sacrifice them to the Lord your God at Gilgal. But Samuel replied, this is what happens when you insert your will above God's will. Here we go. But Samuel, Samuel replied, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice. And to heed is better than the fat of lambs. Notice this. For rebellion is like the sin of divination. One translation says the sin of witchcraft. And arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord. He has rejected you as king. Saul thought it was just a little thing to do a little of what he wanted. Oh, he did part of what God wanted him to do, but he also did some of what he wanted to do. And he thought it was just a little thing, but sometimes what we think are little things are big things with God. Because what we're doing is we're inserting our will over the will of God, and it always gets us into trouble. Anytime you follow, anytime I follow my own stubborn self-will above God's will. And by the way, how do you know God's will? You know God's will by his word, okay? By his word. That's the primary way you know God's will for your life, through his word and through his learning his ways, the working of his spirit at work in your life. This is how you know the will of God, that any time that you're stubborn and you resist God's will for your life, his word and his ways, then you always get yourself into trouble. It never ends well for people like this. So the best approach to your life and my life is always to do the will of God, to seek the will of God. You're not going to always know for sure if you're right in the center of God's will, but your heart can be that way, amen? Amen. Your heart is always, Lord, I want your will. I may not understand everything and grasp everything, but you're consistently praying that prayer. Lord, would you please guide me and help me to be sensitive to and walk in your will. It doesn't mean, as I said, you're going to always understand everything, but it does mean that's the direction of your heart. Perhaps as you have been listening to today's broadcast, you felt a stirring in your heart, something that reminded you that you need to get something right in your life with God. The first way to start in that journey with God is to open your heart to Jesus Christ, to make Him the Lord of your life, to turn over all your life to Him. And that begins with a very simple prayer. I want to lead you in that prayer right now, and it's a prayer that you can pray right where you are. Say these words, Jesus, I invite you into my life today to forgive me of all my sins. I need you. I want you. I want you to take charge of my life. Be my Lord and Savior in Jesus' name. Now, if you just prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says, when we call on God's name, when we call on the name of His Son, Jesus, there is salvation that is brought to our lives. 
He changes us from the inside out. And the Bible says that if any person is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And that's what's happened to you today as you've opened your heart to Christ. Let me encourage you. You need to take the next step. The next step is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church where you're studying God's Word. And make sure you get a copy of God's Word and begin to read it. Spend some time each day in prayer. You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. If you would like more information, please visit our website at church-redeemer.org. May God bless you and make you a blessing. Hi, this is Pastor Dale O'Shills of Church of the Redeemer in Gaithersburg, Maryland. I want to invite you to tune in to our weekly radio program titled Practical Living right here on WAVA every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. And I also would encourage you to join us for one of our weekend worship services. All the information about services and locations can be found at our website at church-redeemer.org. That's church-redeemer.org. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.